Hello, I'm Lisa Hilton, and I'm here to brighten your day. Each episode, I'll share three things that have brightened my day. It might be something I just learned. It might be a new kitchen gadget I discovered. Or it might be a new bottle of wine I uncorked. Then I'll invite a guest to share three things that have brightened their day. Our brains on positive are happier, less stressed, and more productive. Together, we're going to start a ripple of positivity that will spread. Let's go make some waves. Hi, friends. Lisa here. For those of you who know me, you know that positivity is my beat. It's how I make my living. It's how I'm wired, and it's one of my top five strengths. My guest today is Adrian Mullock, known to me by her spiritual name, Bhagavati. Bhagavati and I met through our passion for awakening state employees to their boundless human potential and our shared desire to transform the health and well-being of Oregonians. Our weekly check-ins are filled with energy and ideas and lots of laughs. We are both mamas to young girls and concerned that we are doing what we can to bring up courageous, conscientious, strong women. I'm excited to check in with Bhagavati in a minute to hear what's been brightening her day. The first thing that has brightened my day is actually two words I would use to describe Bhagavati. Peaceful warrior. I'm referring to the movie Peaceful Warrior starring Nick Nolte. It tells the true story of former Olympic gymnast Dan Millman and his struggle to make sense of his life, in which he is successful but still unfulfilled. By chance, he meets his Yoda-slash-Buddha-slash-life coach who helps him get his head straight. Dan is focused and obsessed with the development of his talent. He dreams of winning Olympic gold. He and his gymnastics coach know he's good enough but inside Dan knows that something is missing. He affectionately calls his life coach Sock after the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates. Sock calls himself a peaceful warrior because the battles we fight are on the inside. Just when Dan is achieving great success, he gets in a motorcycle accident and crushes his right leg. He's devastated and angry. Sock tells him, a warrior does not give up what he loves. He finds the love in what he does. Dan eventually gets strong enough in his body, mind, and spirit to lead his school to an NCAA championship in gymnastics, and he later went on to win an Olympic gold medal. He was known as Lord of the Rings, and if you're curious, you can watch his famous rings routine on YouTube. The movie is inspiring and also gives the viewer many opportunities for self-reflection. The resounding message it left with me is all we really have in life is this precious moment. Take out the trash. The trash is anything that is keeping you from the only thing that matters. This moment, here and now. The voice of Nick Nolte asks Dan three questions at the end of the movie. Where are you? Here. What time is it? Now. What are you? This moment. The second thing that has brightened my day are s'mores. You know those delicious ooey-gooey summer treats with toasted marshmallows, melting chocolate, and graham crackers? I love them, but I'm not about to start a bonfire just so I can roast marshmallows right now. I was super interested when on my daughter's summer camp calendar, 
I saw sun s'mores as one of the day's activities. I asked Arya about it when I picked her up that day. Here's what they did. They put a graham cracker square on a piece of tinfoil, then placed a piece of chocolate on the graham cracker, added a marshmallow, and put another graham cracker on top. Then they folded over the tinfoil and set them outside in the sun for about 30 minutes. They went back out, unwrapped the s'mores, and ate them. Mmm, those are good, Mommy. (laughs) I was drooling the whole time she was explaining this process, and I looked up sun s'mores on Google. Turns out it's a thing. There's even a DIY how to make a sun s'mores oven. That may be a little too sophisticated for me. But I am ready to make some sun s'mores. Oh, and something cool I just discovered? Trader Joe's has dark chocolate-covered marshmallows. They are light and fluffy marshmallows drenched in smooth, dark chocolate. (laughs) The box says one serving equals two pieces. Yeah, right, as if. I'm going to make it really easy for myself and put one of those between two graham crackers Cover with tinfoil and leave it in the sun for 30 minutes. Who am I kidding? I can't wait 30 minutes. I'll be lucky if I can wait 10. Hold, please. I'll be right back. The third thing that has brightened my day is the book by Jody Picoult, Small Great Things. A colleague recommended I read it and I couldn't put it down. The title Small Great Things comes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote If I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. The book looks at racism from three different perspectives. A black nurse not sure of what choice to make. A white supremacist skinhead sure of his choices. And a defense attorney who thinks she doesn't see color. In the words of the author, quote, Most of us think the word racism is synonymous with the word prejudice. But racism is more than just discrimination based on skin color. It's also about who has institutional power. Just as racism creates disadvantages for people of color that make success harder to achieve, it also gives advantages to white people that make success easier to achieve. It's hard to see those advantages, much less own up to them, unquote. One of the most powerful passages in the book for me was shared by the defense attorney. Her name is Kennedy. And Kennedy says she feels like she's gotten good at metaphorically catching babies that have been thrown out of windows, but she's never questioned why someone is throwing babies to begin with. I recently heard a similar metaphor used to explain the difference between philanthropy and activism. Philanthropy is catching the babies to keep them from falling. Activism is figuring out who's throwing the babies and making it really hard for them to keep doing it. This book has me thinking long after turning the final page. I'm pretty sure I'm not the one to do great things, but I can do small things little by little. I hope the small things I share with you that brighten my day brighten yours as well. And I hope those positive ripples continue to spread and spread. You never know what struggle someone is going through. And here's a positivity tip for the day. Give a genuine smile, a hug, or a heartfelt, how are you? It just may make all the difference. My guest today is Adrienne Mullock. I know her by her spiritual name, Bhagavati. 
Bhagavati and I are kindred spirits. We met in a breakout session during a workplace wellness and healthier together Oregon meeting. In the breakout, I was drawn to a lot of the things Bhagavati shared. And I guess we both thought each other had something worthwhile to contribute because we reached out to continue the conversation. Through dialogue and ideas about wellness and well-being, we started a group called ROPE, Resourcing Our Human Potential, where we explore and get curious about areas of potential growth and transformation. Every time I talk to Bhagavati, I feel inspired, and it feels like we're just beginning to understand our potential together. I'm so excited to have her here with me. Welcome, Bhagavati. Thank you. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. For those listening, they heard me introduce you as my guest, Adrian Mullock, and then they heard me proceed to call you by your spiritual name, Bhagavati. Can you briefly explain how you came to have a spiritual name and what does Bhagavati mean? Uh-huh. My guru, Amma, whose name is Mata Amritananda Maima, um, she's known fondly in the West as the hugging saint. <laughs> um, she goes around and hugs people, or used to, in the days when travel was more acceptable. But um, Amma gave me that name in 2018. And uh, it was a journey to get the name that was many years in the making. And it was a journey after I received the name to kind of really claim it. And to just to, to really hold it near and dear to myself and to have it be my my identity these days. So yeah, that's been a process. Thank you for that. And it's helpful for me to understand and now appreciate what it means to have a spiritual name. Also to answer your question, there are many ways of referring to the goddess. And there's a practice known as chanting the thousand names of the goddess. And in one of those translations of one of the names that she's referred to as, there is the name Bhagavati. And in that translation, it is literally she who protects those who worship her. But ultimately, Bhagavati is a form of Durga, who is that kind of fierce warrior uh, Mm. version of the goddess. I see you as a fierce warrior for sure. What an appropriate spiritual name. I love it. Mm. So you've often said to me in conversations, there are so many things to brighten my day. So you know what I'm going at. (laughs) I'm eager to hear. What are three things recently that have brightened your day? Well, as a yogini, alignment is a big thing that brightens my day. Uh, Alignment in many aspects of life and alignment of self, alignment with source, alignment with my partner, alignment with my work. Energetically, if we think about aligning our chakras, which you may or may not know are these energy kind of wheels that reside along our spine. So Mm -hmm. as a yoga teacher, I encourage people to, you know, really become aligned with their spine. And so in doing so, energy flows more freely. And so that's actually a way of connecting with source or our our light body or ka, as it can be referred to. But I feel like that's an aspect of lessons that you glean on the yoga mat that really pours off into our life even at work, I get excited when I have the opportunity to bring together in a huddle with colleagues to talk about opportunities for aligning our work because it's like the path of least resistance in all aspects. We all could use a little bit more of that these days. So question, and I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. If you know you're not in alignment, what are some of the first things you do to get into alignment? 
Well, I think that awareness is a really important skill for us all to cultivate in order to quickly and clearly see and experience that misalignment, if you will, because Mm -hmm. I think that it really takes clarity to know when that's being experienced. And there's different tools that we can have to kind of um, bring our attention to that, whether it's we're deeply connected with our breath and we can see that maybe we're not breathing as as fluidly as is comfortable. So that can be an indicator of misalignment or, um, you know, if we're getting, if, if our body's speaking to us in a way, like it's all of a sudden our tummy starts aching or, you know, our, our heart starts racing, mm. that could or could not mean that there's some alignment opportunities, if you will, right? So when we really cultivate that kind of inner awareness, I think it can help us discern when we are not in alignment, then the the work becomes on how to align. Like well, that was your initial question, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it depends on whether we're talking about the physical body on the yoga mat or we're talking about in the office. But I think oftentimes the pause is really mm-hmm. important and something that I can appreciate both on the mat and in the cube environment of the state office, because I think that there's a lot of opportunity that can be afforded if we give ourselves the gift of pause. Yeah. Awareness and pause. Those are two huge words in my world that I would love to just sort of dissect and unpack with you for for hours, but we won't do it on this podcast. But thank you for that. I really appreciate even you just reminding me awareness and pause. In the pause, we stop and we think and we listen and then we know, ooh, something isn't quite right. Information, right? It gives us information. It does. And sometimes we can build in the pause in order to cultivate more awareness. Yeah. Right. And sometimes we can have the awareness that we need the pause. (laughs) Yes. I love that. I have awareness that I need the pause quite often. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, what's the second thing that's brightened your day? You know, cold plunges really brighten my day. As you likely know, I'm in partnership with a breath worker. And one of the aspects that's really important in that practice is really honoring the elements. And so the breath being air. And so then, you know, you can work with the fire, you can work with water, you can work with grounding practices. And so I've kind of worked to cultivate, you know, my connection to those elements strongly. And the water aspect is always one that's really important, right? Mm. Bhagavati is a fiery, fierce warrior. And so (laughs) I really need to kind of cool down my jets, right? And so water, you know, it makes sense looking back at like the times when I would go visit rivers here in Oregon and just happily plunge in and just like, ah, for, for all aspects of my being. Right. Yeah. And so last year when we went into lockdown, thinking about my daughter and the lack of pool, because my daughter is similar and she could use some chill out opportunities (laughs) in her life. And so, (laughs) yes. And so I went to a farm store and I bought a horse trough And it's six feet by two and a half deep and Mm. uh, fill it with water and we get to cold plunge. And, you know, it's a really amazing practice on multiple levels. And then we get to use the gray water to water the garden. So it's a nice kind of connection and taking care of Mother Earth and not being wasteful simultaneously. But a few years ago, I had bought a sauna and um, now I have this 
cold plunge. And so the two really work really well together. And, you know, I get to go from the cooker to the the chillax (laughs) and it serves me really well. And um, it brightens my day, Lisa. Oh, I believe it. So I have to tell you just a, a funny little story. I had the luxury, I'll say, of getting to go to a spa that had various temperature soaking pools. Mm -hmm. And one of them was, I think it was 42 degrees, which actually doesn't sound that bad, right? I mean, we have plenty of days in Oregon that are 42 Mm -hmm. degrees, but I'm telling you, my friend who I was with said, okay, go in there, just walk on in. And I was like, no problem, 42 degrees, I got this. I walked in, I got about up to my shins and I was like, ah, and I, I had to get out. And so she said to me, she said, okay, now try it and hold your breath. And maybe it was just the fact that it was my second try and I had more determination or I was already a little bit used to what the temperature felt like. But when I held my breath, it was almost like I couldn't get any signals to my brain and I could go, I went all the way down to my shoulders and then I got right back out. So now again, I know you're not a medical doctor, but do you have any idea why it was easier at the time when I held my breath? I'm not getting anything on that right now, Lisa, but I know that for me, it's an opportunity to really get in touch with my breath, right? Mm. Because you, you hold your breath, maybe you contract. So you're contracting and that likely is kind of bringing all of your awareness inward. So maybe you're not as tapped into the extreme cold amongst along your extremities and your skin. So that might, that contraction, the, the answer may lie there in the contraction. But for me, then I get to utilize that experience to practice softening because that's really important for me. So I start breathing and then I feel, I mean, of course there's like vasodilation and constriction happening because of the different temperatures. And so then that like leads to a whole flood of really oxygenated blood. So then there's like the experience that maybe can become pretty stimulating. And so then how can you use your breath to just really practice grounding in that minute? And there's actually studies, and I can't even cite them right now, but Buddhist monks really going into different temperatures and utilizing that medium, if you will, to control their own heart rates. And so, you know, it's like becomes a tool for enlightenment or mastery of body and breath, if you will. Fascinating. Okay, I'm ready for number three. What's the third thing that's brightened your day? So Ladybug Darshan. (laughs) You've got to explain this. (laughs) I figured I might. Okay, so first of all, you know, we start off talking about Amma, and it's been an amazing, amazing gift to have her as my guru for the past coming on 15 years. And Amma is known by giving Darshan. I said hugs, right? Well, so Mm. The hugs are known as as a form of darshan. And when you come into contact with an enlightened being, there's an energy that's transmitted. And, you know, it can be simply through the gaze of an eyes. It can be certainly just in the presence of just being in the same room. But Amma, in her compassionate, motherly way, takes it a step further and, and literally gives darshan in the form of a hug. And so then for me, I can stay connected with that source throughout my day and get darshan through beauty that I see in the world and in nature. And in yesterday's horse trough, I had ladybug darshan. So I was under the water and I came back up. And once I opened up my eyes, I recognized, I realized there was a ladybug in the horse trough with me. And so I immediately wanted to, of course, oh no, I hope it's okay. And I want to save it. And so I scooped it up into my hands 
And sure enough, she was still walking. And so she then was walking towards the tips of my fingers. And I just was like in awe of this moment of connecting so deeply with the beauty of Mother Earth. And so then I like kind of put my hands together in prayer. And there she went, like right to the tips of my fingers. Mm -hmm. And I had this image of, oh my gosh, I want a ladybug bindi. So if you don't know, like those little decorations or sometimes different forms, but that goes all over your third eye, the seed of all of our intuition. It's so you can put a bindi there. Oftentimes you'll see Indian women wearing a bindi. Yes. And so I had this moment of ladybug bindi and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't make that happen, right? I can't like <laughs> pick it up and put it on my head. So then the next thing I did is I just bowed down to it, right? Like I literally brought my palms, my fingertips up towards my third eye. And sure enough, girlfriend made her way right up onto my third eye. And just like, I just sat there in reverence with this beautiful alignment with source. And it was just this beautiful experience. So that certainly brightened my day. Wow, that's wonderful. I love Ladybug Darshan. I can just visualize it. It's just, I'm taking a moment of awareness to picture that it's bringing a peaceful attitude towards me. Thank you, Bhagavati, for being a guest on my podcast today. And thank you for brightening my day. And I'm giving you a virtual darshan right now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Lisa. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to know you. Thank you for tuning in to Brighten Your Day. To be a guest on my podcast, email me at hiltonlisab at gmail.com. That's Hilton with a Y. Special thanks to Clark Hilton for post-production and special thanks to Chris Jones for composing the theme song.